Yes, yes. Mic check, one, two, one, two. Yo, Shaquan, can you hear me? Yo, yo, I hear you, man. Loud and clear. Loud and clear, yes. Ladies and gents, this is MD Podcast Season 2. Man, um, so, ladies and gents, you know, this this platform is created to be hip-hop commentary, music commentary, but it's also taken its turn where I've definitely focused on mental health, healing, uh, uh, giving a platform for my fellow Filipino Americans who are business owners and um, for all those who are in the forefront of helping the, the community and, and social work. Um, but every now and then, I got to take it back to the roots of who I, of what I'm about. And, and the whole purpose of me starting the podcast is for hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And this next guest right here, man, I've got a chance to build with him these past couple days. There's a lot of current events happening in hip-hop that's definitely hurting the 90s kids like us, you know? Um, just, just, us being fan, just us being fans of the culture. Um, this person right here, man, he's definitely from NYC, currently living in London right now. And this is my first interview for the podcast in another continent. And I'm glad that we got a chance to make this happen. He, he's had a chance to be a freelance writer on the journalism tip for the Source magazine. And he's had a chance to be a freelance journalist, writer for Rap Sheet. Had a chance to interview great legends like Five from Tribe Called Quest and another person that we were that we're going to talk about later on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, without no further ado, currently in London right now, Mr. Shaquan Young. What's up, sir? Peace. What's good, man? What's up? You good, fam? Yo, I'm good, man. I want to say thank you for taking the time. I know there's an eight-hour difference right now, and it's currently yeah. 5.30 in the morning in London. I want to say thank you, bro, for freeing up your time for this. Uh, nah, it's just... It's, it's, <laughs> our time is plenty free right now. With the COVID lockdowns, we're plenty free right now. No doubt. So, yo, we before... So free, we broke. <laughs> say what? Say what? We're so free, we broke right now. That's how free. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Yo, man, so... Before we get into your journey, uh, before you got to London, <coughs> I always take you back to day one. Okay. So, yo, dog, I know you're originally from NYC, born and raised, right? Definitely. Yo, man, so how did your family even end? How did they even end up in NY? Do you know the story behind that? Well, both, both of my parents were born in New York. So, you know, born and raised. Nice. You know, I grew I grew up in the PJs, you know, projects. Nice, so, nice. Mm-hmm. It's like um, it wasn't it wasn't the worst projects that you could grow up in. Yeah, you know, you know I, I didn't grow up in I didn't grow up in Marcy, you know, or Queensbridge. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in the low east side of Manhattan, so it was you know it was a little bit of a mixture. You know, most of my friends were either Puerto Rican. Dominican or Chinese, you know, that's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in. You know, um, had a couple of Jewish friends, you know, quite a few in high school. I had some Polish friends, you know, so it was all good. Um, do you got siblings? Yes, I do. I'm the oldest, I have two younger sisters. Nice, nice. So, your mom, so mom and dad is uh, what nationality or what's, what's the ethnicity of mom and dad? Uh, they're, they're both black. Oh, I mean, dope. at the end, at the end of the day, you know they're black. But as far as um, 
Is there any mixture there? Of course, of course. I know more specifically, um, my grandfather on my paternal side, you know, my father's father was mostly white, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You know, he had prostate cancer, you know, when I was when I was fairly young. You know, but um he 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 was like partially like white and French or something like that. Um then my mother <clears throat> um her father was from Panama. Nice. You know, and then my mom's mom, my grandmother, my mother's side is from the south. But then again, all of my grandparents are from the south. If you're black in America, your grandparents, chances are, started out in the South. Right. You know, you know, we're talking, you know, post-emancipation. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, anyway. For sure. So, Shaquan, man, um, how would you describe, so, in you, lower... You know what? You could just say Quan. You could just say Quan. Yo, you know what's funny? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I normally tell people, just call me Quan, because, you know... Um, for two reasons. One, people would normally butcher it. You know, I mean, <laughs> no, no jab at you, no jab at you. And then, second of all, I was just kind of always kind of insecure growing up with that name. To be honest, I'm not gonna lie. I got you. I got so, you, fam. I was just trying to be respectful. You know, ma- making sure you're addressed by the real name. You know what I'm saying? No, that's cool. You could just say Quan. No doubt. I mean? But yeah, Shaquan Young is my full government. But yeah, come on, Quan. Yo, Quan. So, um, growing up in Lower East Side, is that by Brownsville? Where's Lower East Side by? Is that by Harlem? No. Brownsville is in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, yeah. You know what? Is that's not uncommon. Most people, when they think of New York, they think of Brooklyn first. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I get that. You know, most people like Brooklyn. Brooklyn. No, Lower East Side is LES. That's Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, because Harlem is uptown, of course, you know that. Mm-hmm. And so Harlem in the upper part of Manhattan, the middle part is kind of more so where the rich people live mainly, you know, like around Central Park, Midtown. That's where mainly the rich people live. Mm-hmm. Um, say Manhattan. And then LES, Lower East Side, is down near the, near the um, Williamsburg Bridge. Like me, I live near the Williamsburg Bridge. And I lived, um, and I lived in a project called Valadix. Uh, I lived near Rutgers. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I had some family members that also lived in Alphabet City, ABC City. You know, um, I didn't. I wasn't too far from Chinatown. You know, so yeah, that's pretty much my area. Like Delancey Street. You ever heard Delancey Street? Right? You heard that before. What is that? Delancey Street. Um, there's a there's a lyric, and to be honest, a lot of rappers have said Delancey Street. There's actually a song called Delancey Street back from back in the '80s. Mm. But I think Doom actually had a lyric who said, "Who got more clothes than Delancey?" Nice. Something like that. Nice, nice. I I grew up near there. So. Nice. So yo, let's. Cause you know, like we're from Cali and stuff. You know, I know like yeah. it's kind of different and how it is out there as far as transportation. So I want to give you for for us listening that's not from NY. Let's let's take it in terms of like taking the cab. All right, from Lower East yeah. Side. All right, let's say you took a cab. How long will it take from Lower East Side to Brooklyn? From LDS to BK. Just take, taking um, the cab, no trains, no walking, but taking the cab. Not rush hour, and if it's not rush hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, on rush hour, 
it shouldn't take you no more than, man, I want to say maybe 15 minutes. If it's not ra- if it's not rush hour, you said? No more than 15 minutes. If it's not, no more than 15. If it's not rush hour, right? Right. If it's not rush right. hour. How about from Elliott to BK? Yeah. How about from Lower East Side to Queens? From Elias to Queens. Wow. See, the thing is, what you got to understand is Brooklyn and Queens are attached. Brooklyn is closer to Manhattan, right? What separates Manhattan from Brooklyn is a body of water called the East Mm. River, right? Mm. So, um, so you got a bunch of bridges, you know, you got Williamsburg Bridge, Manhattan Bridge, Brooklyn Bridge, you know. So, Queens is on the far east part of the, of Brooklyn, mm. okay. Brooklyn Queens is actually there's a song that Third Base had back out, you know, back in the day when it had the Cactus album. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, they had a, call, a song called Brooklyn Queens. Mm. Right. So the reason why people always say Brooklyn Queens is because Brooklyn is literally attached to Queens as one big body of land. So it's kind of like so, the same land for like about 15 minutes, right? Right. The only thing that there is, there is no, you can't see what separates Brooklyn from Queens technically, you know. Now, some people will joke and say, okay, well, can I curse? Yeah, no. yeah, hell yeah, you can curse. Go ahead. Some people will say, okay, you'll know, you'll know you're in Brooklyn when it's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's some people will say that. All right. From um, Lower East Side to Queen, oh, from sorry, from Lower East Side to Harlem, how long will it take? It would take take you about a half hour if there's no rush wow. okay from lower if there's no if there's no trap how about lower east side to bronx um i'd say about maybe no traffic not rush hour i wouldn't say maybe maybe a half hour give or take it could be anywhere from 20 to 40 something wow. minutes you know but you gotta under what you gotta understand is like it depends on where in the Bronx and where in Queens you're trying to get to as well. But if you're trying to just get to like the bottom tip, the South Bronx, then yeah, it shouldn't take you no more than a half hour max. How about to Staten Island from Lower East Side to Staten yeah. Island? Okay, now that's different. To go from Manhattan to Staten Island, there's two ways you can do it. You can get on the hop on the hop ferry. You can hop on the the, the Staten Island ferry. <laughs> They used to call it the South Ferry, the Staten Island Ferry. Now that is a 25 minute ride. Regardless, it don't matter whether it's rush hour or not. Uh-huh. Wow. Now, if you want to drive all the way with, because you could put your car in the ferry at the bottom. If you want to just straight up drive from Manhattan to Staten mm-hmm. Island, then you got to go through Brooklyn. Then you got to drive across the Verrazano. You know about the Verrazano? Mm-hmm. Okay, the Verrazano Bridge. Oh, okay. Again, that. Was- that was also referenced in a lot of Wu-Tang songs, you know. The Verrazano Bridge is a long-ass bridge that takes you from Staten Island to Brooklyn. Nice, nice, nice. All right, so, yo, man, let, let's take it back to day one. So, I know that you had a chance to be a journalist for hip-hop publications. So, let's take it back real quick. So, how was it like growing up in Lower East Side, like, you know, mid, like, like late 80s, mid 90s? How were those years like for you? You know, was it a place to raise a family in? Was it chaotic? Was it dangerous growing up in the PJs? Like, how was it like, bro? Okay, 80s New York mm-hmm. is a lot safer than, than, I'm sorry, let me reverse that, I'm sorry. 
80s New York is a hell of a lot more dangerous than the current New York of today. Mm-hmm. Okay? So let's let's put that into perspective. 80s New York. It don't matter what part of New York City and any five any of the five boroughs, okay? 80s New York, when you when you look at movies like New Jack City, um what else? You know, uh, um what's that other movie with Cameron? Paid in full, paid in full. Right, paid in full. Right. When you look at movies like that, um, I mean, of course, it's a movie. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna kind of amp up the violence a little bit. But for the most part, that's real. All of that shit was real back in the '80s. You know, '80s was crack era. You had Mayor Koch, and Koch was probably one of the most corrupt mayors of New York, depending on who you ask. Most people that I speak to say, because I was, you know, in the '80s. Even though I remember the '80s, but I was still a child, and my mom tried to shelter me from a lot of that shit. Um, so bad. I could just sum up '80s New York as just bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. I I I bounced around from borough to borough a lot growing <coughs> up. Yeah. So, so my mom, when I was really, really young, from the early '80s and up until the late '80s, uh, my mom lived in Park Hill Projects. Wow. If anybody knows New York, Park Hill Projects is in Staten yeah. Island. And anybody who knows Staten Island, who knows Park Hill, they know that that's where Wu-Tang, well, most of the Wu-Tang members are from, okay? Like Met The Man, RZA, um, Ghostface Killers from Stapleton. And Stapleton and Park Hill had beef, yeah. you know, back then at least. But yeah, Park Hill Projects, um, they used to call it Crack Hill at least, you know, some people. Yeah, uh, Park Hill was very bad. So, um, my mom sheltered me from a lot yeah. of that stuff, you know, for, I saw crack vile, you know, I saw that a lot, you know, um, growing up on the, on the ground outside, but for the most part, I was sheltered from a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to name drop a lot of people, so I don't really care anymore, but yeah, but like my, um, my stepdad, he was on crack back in the eighties, but he quit mm-hmm. cold. My mom sheltered me from that. I didn't know that he was, but he she sheltered me from that stuff. And um, I had <laughs> grandparents that lived in Low yeah. East. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, Good. you know. So we, we bounced around a lot. Matter of fact, like I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too surprised if one of the members of Wu Tang saw crack to my stepdad. You know what I mean? So, so let me, let, you know, but like I said, he for Turkey. No doubt. Here. So let me ask. All right, let's talk hip hop. Um, right. you know, coming like you know, the fact that it's the birthplace of hip hop and it originated from there, and I'm sure like the energy in the air is different out there when it comes to hip hop. Um, so looking back, who was the first? What was the first hip hop song you heard growing up in NY? Oh man, damn, that's a good, that's a good question. I want to say, this is going to sound bug. It's a cross between Daha Daha. You yeah. remember Daha, mm-hmm, the rapping mm-hmm. dude? Um, you know, like yeah. Biggie said, yeah, the yeah. rapping dude. Yeah, yeah. It was either that or um, Run DMC, Sucker MC. Nice. One of those. Nice, two. nice, nice. So, as far as the first hip hop album you bought, do you remember? 
own that pipe, but or, personally, man. Oh yeah. Um, or that you own or, my or mom, that you beg my mom, mom to mom, buy you, you know? Yeah. I was about to say my mom used to buy me records up until like I was about a teenager. Up until I was, you know, an early teenager. My mom used to buy me records. So she bought me LL Cool J on nice. that. Um, but to be honest, I wasn't just only in the hip hop, you know, because most people think of, you know, when most people think of, you know, guys, boys growing up in New York, they think, you know, it's just King Ghost and Shelto yeah. and Adidas. Yo, I, to be honest, I was up on all of that. Because remember, I had, even though I grew up in the projects, I grew up in the PJs, we had government cheese and all of that, but we had MTV, we had cable, you know what I mean? So, I was watching videos on MTV, and you know, anybody who knows knows that MTV back in the 80s did not start playing hip hop until like about 88, I want to say 87. Somebody can correct me, but it wasn't until the late 80s when MTV started playing hip hop. So I was into Hall of Notes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Beastie Boys was like one of the first few rap videos I saw. I'm sorry, Beastie Boys and Run DMC Walk This Way with Aerosmith. Nice. It was one of the first hip hop. But I, I, dude, I was into Duran Duran, Tears for Fears, you know, and that kind of wet my, that kind of like wet my appetite a little bit because then I started getting into heavy mm-hmm. metal. So I was into nice. everything, everything. Now, after. After high school, what was your plan after high school? Like, like, before we get into, like, your work for the Source magazine, what was your plan after high school? Right. Yeah, shit, yeah. just go to college. I, I, you know, my senior year, I was just applying to mad colleges. Um, I applied to Morehouse, man. I applied to Princeton, even, everything. Just go to college. I didn't really know exactly. You know, the thing is, it fluctuated. Like, it fluctuated from the time I was from from the time I was in elementary school up until I was a senior in high school it fluctuated I didn't know I would say like every other year it changed at one year at one point I wanted to be a rapper then the next time next point I wanted to be a writer then the next point I wanted to be you know a film director and so I left high school and then I just um I majored in mass communications because I figured, okay, you have like about four disciplines in mass communications. You know, you got print media, radio, television, and uh, public relations. Right. So, so what what college did you go to? I went to a very very small, very small. I never even heard of it myself. Small liberal arts private. Um, university called Claflin nice. University, and that that's in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Orangeburg, South Carolina is very small, very small. Like it's it's probably almost as small as Monk's Corner, South Carolina. Monk's Corner, South Carolina is where Charlemagne the God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what was your major there when you went? Mass, Mass communications. communications. Nice. Yeah. So from there, fam. So. You graduate, so I was a double major. So was your other major? So dope. English. So after you graduate, so was it four years? Did you go for four years? Four. I did. Straight out of high school, four years. To be honest, I just wanted to get (laughs) my parents. I feel you. My mom um, and my stepdad. I, I just wanted to get out of there. Now, here's the thing. 
even though this is not extremely important, but I skipped over this part. My mom moved us. Well, technically, her husband, my stepdad, moved us out of New York down to Georgia in like in the early '90s when I was about 14, 13, 14. So I lived in Augusta, okay. Georgia, pretty much um, most of my teenage years. So. From that point on, when I finished high school oh. in Augusta, Georgia, is when I went to Orangeburg, nice. South Carolina. So, so you graduate South Carolina. You graduate with those with a double major. What was your plan then? What was what were you trying to do with your major? Okay, so long story short, okay, um, I interned for High Point. Yeah, I don't know I if do you know who he is. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm just testing. So I interned for Hype Williams in the summer That's of dope. 97, okay? So I worked on a couple of video shoots. I worked. I was working on a set of um, Buster Rhymes, wow, Put Your Hands My Eyes Can See. I did that. Dope. Yeah. You know the thing is, now, if you go to Hype Williams' Instagram page, he might still have it up. There's a couple of photos that he or somebody took of that of that actual shoot of that time so you know me i didn't personally i didn't get to take any pictures because first of all i was working i was a pa okay you know what yeah PA is, yeah right? production yes yes, yes. i was a production mm-hmm. yeah. so i was running around while hype williams was kind of sort of ordered me around but i wasn't like up under him he had people around him that was ordering me around you know, like the DP um, and the producer and whatnot. Um, Little Lex as well. Little, I don't know if you know who no. Little Lex is. Do you know who he is? Okay. Little Lex used to work with under Hype Williams' company, which was Big Dog Films mm-hmm. back in the 90s. Um, actually, Hype Williams had a couple of people working up under him. Little Lex and Steve Carr. Steve Carr, he did a couple of movies. Um, I'm not sure if he did next Friday part three or four or some shit but anyway so Little X that used to be his name Little X started doing music videos by Tracy Lee and Redman mm-hmm. and Capone and Noriega but then he changed his name from Little X to just mm-hmm. Big X I think and Big X made um, the Shaft mm-hmm. movie the reboot I think so um so yeah, I, I to be honest, I received more orders from Big X than Hype. Hype was really cool. Hype was really, really mad cool. Little X was a bit of an asshole, I'm gonna be honest. So, it was an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, fast forward. Um I don't know at what point Big Dog folded as a company. I, I know Hype moved to LA. That much I do know. I don't know when he moved to LA, but long story short, um, because it's weird there was so many people around hype and at that time i didn't really kind of finesse my presence as much as i probably should have as much as i know i should have around hype so people forget they forget about you so you know i was like yo remember me you know kwan he was like that was like who so anyway long story short i graduated from college um by the time I graduated from college, I was writing obituaries in the uh, the local newspaper in right. Orangeburg, South Carolina. I was writing a weekly, no, daily, I'm sorry, daily obituaries, okay? That was my first writing wow. experience professionally, 
Okay. Right. Um, so I did obituaries every day. That's how I got paid. The pay was whack. Like you get you I think they paid you like five cents per word or some shit back then. It was crazy, you know. Um and then I did a couple of feature stories for them as well. So anyway, I got tired of it because Orangeburg is a very small town. There's no action down there. Um, so I said, you know what? I want to go. I want to go back up to New York because New York. I've always loved New York. You know, once a New Yorker, you're always a New Yorker. By the way, if anybody from New York will tell you that, somebody born and bred, they, they'll say the same thing I'm saying. Once a New Yorker, you will always be a New yeah. Yorker. You know, there's no place like on earth. But anyway. Um, some part, some people are yeah. say no, 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 New York is the best place in the world. Nah, it is, but it used to be at least. It used to be anyway. Went back up to New York, like a few months after graduating from college, and then um, I met <clears throat> I met somebody um, when I was walking through because um, I was living with my other. Um, <clears throat> grandparents who as long story short they kind of they weren't my grandparents by blood they were just people that always they, they took me in as they own as their grandchild because they didn't have any grandkids so anyway they lived in um, St. Albans Queens they lived um, in a little park called Adelaide Park and Adelaide Park is a little the, probably the nicest part of St. Albans Right up, right under Jamaica States. Jamaica States is rich, but St. Albans, Adelaide Park is pretty nice too. Because you got like, well, right about now, the homes are probably like worth a million. But anyway, I that part also as well is I kind of bounced around a lot, so I knew that area really well. I went back there, you know, when I was about twenty-two. Linden Boulevard, right on Linden Boulevard, right, right off of Linden actually. So there was actually. Um, the cleaners there's a cleaners on linda boulevard like two blocks or three blocks away from where i was living at was where they shot two tribe called quest videos i don't know if you know that but um mm-hmm. there's a cleaners mm-hmm. on linda boulevard they shot uh Tectoron and they shot uh once again Dope. at that same cleaners and i and that's yeah right there on linda nice. boulevard in st Albans. okay so from there you met so how did you yeah, I met, I met somebody. Um, I was just walking down the street, you know. Long story short, I ain't gonna lie. I was just flirting. It was just, it was, you know, young females flirting with her. We was talking, da 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 da, and she said, "Oh, you're a writer." I said, "Yeah, I'm a writer." You know, she's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I know somebody because I was like pretty open book at that time. I was like, I ain't got a job, you know. I'm in New York and I ain't got no job." She said, "Oh, I know somebody." At the source, I I don't work at the source, but I, I know somebody there. I said, "Word," she said, "Yeah." So she put me in touch with Aaliyah King. Aaliyah King was one of the editors at the source at that at that time. The world, let me tell you, the world of writing and publishing and magazines and all of that is it's a very high turnover rate, very high turnover. So you know, somebody could be there one year and the next year they're not there anyway. So. Um, I linked up with Aaliyah King. I called her. She's and you know, I had to kind of sort of prove myself a little bit to her. And she said, "Okay, well, here's here's how it works. Um, I can't hire you as a full timer. You won't be a, a source employee. You dig?" I, 
But what you can do is pitch a story to me. And if it sounds cool, mm-hmm. you can do it, you know. Now, what you got to understand is freelancers get treated like like shit, basically. You know, I'm not saying that Aaliyah was awful to me. No, Aaliyah was cool. Aaliyah King was cool. But in general, freelance writers, for the most part, they get treated like shit. They don't get treated like family, not like that. So anyway, um, it's not like I could tell her, oh, you know what? I want to do a story on Nas and Jay-Z. They would have been like, mm-hmm. eh. <laughs> you, you are a freelancer, okay? And plus, you would know, fuck out of here. You ain't doing no story on Jay-Z or Nas, you know? So... I said, you know what? And to be honest, I didn't want I would I didn't want to do a story on those people types of people anyway, because it's like everybody knows who they are. They're in like they're they they were literally in every magazine at that point, you know. If it wasn't Nas and Jay-Z, it was like Master P or, or, or Cash Money Millionaires, remember? Juvenile and um so anyway, I said, well. I know a story that I want to do. Um, I want to interview this guy. He's a rapper. Mm. His name's MF Doom. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> I said, oh, okay. I said, I was a little bit kind of thrown off because I figured they would know who he is. You know, like you working for the source. You an editor at the source. You don't know who he is because the source used to do stories on KMD mm-hmm. back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you don't know who MF Doom is? She's like, no. I said, MF Doom is formerly known as Zeph Love X. She said, mm. I still don't know who the fuck that is. I said, okay, okay, okay. She said, but you know what? If you can get in touch with him, I got you. Mm-hmm. I'll put you in the source. I said, okay. Um, so nobody helped me get in contact. <laughs> I mean, from the source, that is. Nobody from the source. Nobody from the source helped me, okay, get in contact with Doom. How I got in contact with Doom was I had the CD. I had bought the CD from, um, remember, Operation Doomsday came out in 1990. And at that time, long story short, Fondalin Records was owned by Bobito Garcia, right? Um, You know, People can research Bobito. He's he's really big in the underground scene. Really mm-hmm. big. He, was, he yeah, used to work yeah. with Stretch on the radio. Anyway, so Fondalum was not a record label where artists could be signed to. Doom was not signed to Fondalum. Fondalum was sort of like just an imprint. To be honest, Fondalum was more like a, like a, like a like a what do you call it, a vanity label. So so it was more just a this is just for marketing or just a brand. Fondalum was Barbados brand so like nobody had help with promoting their albums nobody had like there was no budget there was no you know what I'm saying so um they had distribution through Fat Beats where you could buy you could buy the physical vinyl and whatnot but as far as online purchases um in 99 that is when I first when I bought Operation Doomsday it was through Sandbox Automatic. That was a godsend. That was a godsend. Anybody, anybody who's old enough to remember that, they'll know what I'm talking about. Sandbox Automatic was a godsend for anybody who did not live near a record shop, a record store. 
and you wanted a hip hop album, especially if it wasn't mainstream, you know, you had to order from Sandbox Automatic back then, okay? Because back then, um, Amazon wasn't a thing. It, it was called CD Now, but CD Now didn't sell every CD, you understand? So anyway, I bought, uh, I ordered um, mm-hmm. Operation Doomsday from Sandbox Automatic, and the CD itself was pretty bare. It was just a CD, the front cover with, you know, the, the illustration and the back cover. And on the back, yeah, at the bottom of the chat, records and had, the, uh, I think I had the website. Went to the website, I called the number. I spoke to Bobito literally on the phone the same day I called Fonda, you know? So I was like, yo, Bobito, um, I'm doing an article for the source. Yo, how can I get in touch with Doom? He's like, yo, I'm sorry, but Doom is not with Fondalum anymore. Fondalum in the year 2000, mind you, this is this is like this is like early October of the year 2000. Fondalum was on the way out his door because um, Bobito couldn't afford it anymore. He just couldn't afford it. So he's like, "Well, Doom is actually over at Subverse Music." I said, okay. So he gave me the number of subverts. He said, here, call Fiona Bloom. Uh, Fiona Bloom was one of the three people uh, that owned Subverse. Subverse was owned by Big Jess, mm-hmm. you know, Big Jess from Company Flow. And a, another guy, Peter something, Peter Lapoff, I think. I'm, 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 I'm going to butcher his name, but I'm just going to say Pete. So Fiona Bloom was the woman that I spoke to at Fonda Lane. And she was like, yeah, you could come through when you want to. When do you want to come through and meet Doom? I said, as soon as possible. So I went down to a Subverse office. It was like somewhere, it was like somewhere along Greenwich Street, I believe. Um, so when I went down there and um, she told she told Doom about me briefly before I got there, you know, just so he could be prepared. And um, when I got up in there, she was cool. You know, she was like, yeah, so how many articles have you written, you know, for like a mainstream publication? I said, this is my first. I've never written an article in a mainstream publication before. Like, I'm talking like nationally recognized mm. publication. Never. She's like, okay. Okay. And she said, this, this, this ought to be, you know, a little interesting. So... Doom stepped up into the office, no mask. Like Doom was just regular. He, I think he was rocking a polo or something, maybe like a short sleeve polo and a you know just a regular baseball cap. You know, um, might have been a Yankee cap. I'm not sure, but um, you know, regular jeans, Timberland boot, polo, Yankee cap, fitted. And um, Doom was like, "Yo, peace was good." I was like, yeah, man. Um, you know, when when do you when, when you have free time? It's like, yeah, I got free time today, man. I got free time today, kid. Let's do this. So, um, he's like, yo, let's go downstairs. We can sit outside, you know. And um, and I was like, bet. You know, we went downstairs. Curious, um, who's a friend, a good, a good friend of Doom. Curious came through also Kyrus was like yo um, I'm gonna I'm a swing I'm gonna some beers y'all want some beers I was like yeah man bet. 
the one that he had a song yeah, with. Yeah, Curious, um, right, right. Yeah, he so, did a he did a lot of songs with them. But yeah, um Yeah, Curious. Yeah, Curious, Curious was I believe Curious started the CM crew. That's constipated monkey. So, so Curious Curious was Curious and Doom was a part of the um constipated monkey crew. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, they started that one when it was still in Long Island. They they started that and from Long Island from back in the day. You know, like back in the you know, probably probably around the time that Mr. Hood came out, and maybe before that point, they started to see him. Um when it first came the album. Uh-huh. So yeah. Right. So yeah, so me and Doom, I I I think I probably sat outside with Doom for like maybe wow. close to two hours, I wanna say. Yeah. So now So hold on. So before okay, so he bought you guys beer. I'll, so what was the first questions you asked him? What were what were the questions you asked him? Do you remember? I remember the questions. I don't know in what order. I just know that I was asking him because I had the C D at the time, the Operation Doomsday C D, you know. Um, and I had I had the one from Fondola, not the one from Subverse. Because remember, Subverse re-released. They did a reissue of Operation Doomsday in two thousand one in the mm-hmm. summer in the summer of 01. So, um, so I was just asking him about that, like how he how did he meet Bobito? Um, I was asking him like explain the picture on the back because on the back of the um, CD there's yeah, a black and white yeah, photo yeah. of him and his brother Sabrat. His uh, Doom's eyes are blacked out, you know. And I asked him what's the reason behind that, and and I was also also asking him about, you know, uh, what's up with the attire, because um, I knew what it was, but I wanted him to speak on it for the article, because him and his brother were a part of the Ansar, um, Ansar Allah. Back in the day, the Ansar Allahs became United Nation, United. Um, Nawabian nation of Moors. Anybody who knows about the Nawabians, that was also started by uh, Dr. York, who started the Ansar community as well. Um, long story short, um, Doom and his brother, I believe they grew up Muslim, but they took it a little bit further. They actually were friends with Dr. York. And um, Dr. York, Dr. Malachi York was, depending on who you ask, he was a trickster. Um, right about now, Dr. York is actually in prison. He's doing a hard time for um, sexual molestation and racketeering, you know. But anyway, um, so they were part of that community, the, the, the Nawabians and the Ansars, and um, Doom used to go down to Georgia a lot you know because he used to participate or at least go to the Savior's Day festivals that was happening. Savior's Day was like a thing that Dr. York would have in Putnam County um, and um, it was a part of the whole Nawabian thing you know that Doom was a part of you know he was very much into it he didn't I don't I don't I don't recall any lyric in any KMD or even a Doom song that referenced the Nawabians. Like somebody somebody can correct that, but I don't recall that. 
So I feel like you probably most people probably wouldn't know that Doom so when you, was down with Dr. York. So when you asked Milwaukee, him, when you asked him like, um, so what's up with the look? And what did he say? Do you remember? Yeah, he talked about that. He talked about they were part of the answers, like I said, saw a lot. You know, and saw a lot. Yeah, but like the fa- the world, what I'm saying is like about the mask, you know, like did you ask him, you know? Okay, so he talked. He 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 broke it down. Long story short, about uh, he was always into comic books. You know, he was always into, uh, and people used to always call him Doom, even back when he was young. He's, people used to call him Doom. You know, Doom Doom wasn't something that right. just that just he just came up with when he came out with the album Doomsday. He, Doom was also Doom was also a, another pseudonym, but it's you know it's like a you know your Doom that's like a like a nickname. They say it was short for Doomalay, um, and you know, like the fact that his last name was Doomalay. Yeah, yeah, his last name was Doomalay. Yeah, his last name was Doomalay. But like, and, um, but I, believe, but I believe it was just him. Yeah. You know, like only he was called Doom. You know what I'm saying? Like no, nobody called his brother Doom. Nobody called his no. other brother Doom. You know what I'm saying? It was just him. So anyway, he he basically you know went down because to be honest, every every publication pretty much says the same thing that um it was his way of it, it was his way of pretty much um, expressing that the industry turned his back on him and. He doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to be affiliated or associated with lookism, looks, and um, you know, being judged based on your looks. He was like, he was, he was like, yo, it's all about the flow. If you could flow, you could flow. You know, you know, fuck what you look like. So he started out by, like I said again, this is everywhere. You can read this. He started out by wearing a stocking cap, pantyhose over his face when he would go to uh, the New Yorker Poets Cafe. You know what I mean? Um, which I used to go there yeah. a lot too, New York Rican Post Cafe, down in LES, Louisiana. You know, um, he used to do that. <clears throat> then um, he had a friend who did graffiti. Um, and supposedly the friend is the one that introduced mm-hmm. the idea of wearing a mask to him, or at least gave him the type of mask. Or recommended a mask that he should wear. So, okay, the article, the article that I wrote, right for the source, the photo that he, the photo that he took in that article, he's wearing the Phantom of the Opera mask. He doesn't wear that anymore. Okay, uh huh. He's wearing Phantom of the Opera mask. Now, if now if, if you ever watched the uh, uh-huh. the video, the music video for uh, Question Mark. He's that's what he's wearing. He's wearing the same mask. He's he's probably wearing the same coat too, like that he went to the to the, uh, right, right, for the right. photo shoot for the uh, article. This was. So that's the Phantom of the Opera mask. From my understanding, it wasn't until it wasn't until after two thousand one, I believe, around that time is when he started wearing the gladiator mask. You know. The current mask, the the so mask that we see popularized. Before you even met him, 
Let's go back a little bit. Before you even met him for the interview, how did you know that he was Zev Love X? Like, who who gave you the rundown? Like, yo, that MF Doom cat is Zev Love X. Like, how did you know? Oh. Yo, my, yo, my boy who actually... See, the first... The first... I don't know which one was first exactly. I don't even think it matters because they were both on the same tape. I had a, I had a friend who used to um, live in Atlanta, right? And Atlanta has a bunch of, um, you know, in the underground or college radio stations. And they will play a lot of hip hop by a lot of unknown unsigned cats, you know? So my boy let me hold the, the tape. It was a cassette tape. This is back in 97. This is back in like September of 1997. I played the, I was like, you know, I, 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 dude, I had that tape for like at least six months, you know, before I gave it back to you. And I was like, yo, who is this rapping over Scooby Dooby? The name of the song was mm. called Hey. And then there was another song called Dead Ben. To be honest, I think I was more in love, love more infatuated with Dead Ben than I was with uh-huh. Hey. Mics, like girls, you know. So, I was in love with that bent. And I was like, who is that? Who is that? I was like, the voice kind of like the back then, it was a demo. It wasn't the version that's on the, the actual album that's released. And I, I, I was like, yo, his voice kind of sounds like Killer Priest. I know that sounds bug because, you know, people will say, yo, you're bugging. He don't sound like Killer Priest. But to me, he kind of did. I didn't know who it was. And I was like, yo, who is that? My mm-hmm. friend said, yo, that's Zef Love X. D. And I was like, you talking about Peach Fuzz? He's like, yeah. I was like, Pete, that's that's the dude from Peach Fuzz? I was like, wow. You know, mind you, I didn't know about Black Bastards mm-hmm. because remember, it never got released. Yeah. So I didn't know about Black Bastards. You know, it, it was never released. So I just knew Peach Fuzz. That's all I knew from KMD. But I knew of KMD because I, you know, I used to watch Rap City back in the day, back in the early 90s. So I was like, word? That's Zeph Love X. Now, mind you, neither one of us, me nor my friend, knew that he changed his name to MF Doom. We didn't know that. We just knew, oh, that's Zeph Love X. We didn't know that his name was MF Doom. How I knew that that's MF Doom is like two years later in 99, I used to go to his website. I forgot the name of it, but it was a website that used to... um, you know, um, they used to have orders from Sandbox Automatic on it. And that's how I bought a lot of al- albums, like from Loop Pack and, and whatnot. You know, Del and Del and, 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 and like a lot of guys that was part of um, dope, um, dope, dope. Project Blow. You know what I'm saying? All, ca- all Cali shit. What up, so to, anyway, what up to Loop Pack? Right. All, I what up to Loop Pack, man? So anyway... Right, Lou Pack. I'm from Oxnard. Del, Ace Alone, uh, all that. So anyway. Uh, but, um, so, yo, okay, so from there, exactly. you, you guys kind of knew already. So, okay, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. So. No, 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 no. I, I was pretty so much you done. you went to that website, so I was, and then yeah. from there, you started seeing that the song. It's like, oh, shit, that's the same guy. Yeah. Yeah, the the um the song popped up. It said "Hey" and "Dead Bent," and then I saw the the you know the cartoon illustration 
of you know Metal Face, and I was like, "That's Doctor Doom." I said, "Who, who the hell is Doctor Doom?" You know, well, it said it said MF Doom, but you know, in my mind, I'm like, "That's Doctor Doom." So I heard it, and I was like, "Oh, wow, that's who." Okay, that's so who let's let's take it back to the day of the interview. So, what was your first impressions, bro? Like, what 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 are the things that you remember him saying to you that's that stood out to you after all these years? Like looking back 20 years later, what were some of the things that you'll always remember that he said? Wow. He said, he said that he ain't got no friends. Um, well, here's the thing. I don't think Doom meant yeah, that yeah. people like Curious is not his friend. I don't think he meant. I just think that he was jaded um, from a lot of what had happened. You know, so like that stood out to me the most, and the fact that he was kind of like homeless and couch surfing and whatnot. Um, right. So, and mind you, at this time, I did not know that MF Grimm was locked up. Right. He was in prison at this time. We're talking October of 2000. I didn't know that. Right, right, right. You know, I didn't know MF Grimm was locked up. So, um, so that that part stood out to me the most, you know, because um, he ref I referenced a line from that album, you know, is he said something like, um, "It's funny when you're on, you got mad folk, and I'm um, talking about being broke. You find out who's your man's when you're broke." So, you know, so he he talked a little bit about that. Uh, to be honest, a lot of what I put in the rough draft. Got taken out by my editor. Really? Source. She butchered the hell out of that article, man. She butchered the shit out of it. She butchered it so badly that she even misspelled Electra. I knew Electra was spelled with a K. She misspelled it and put a C in there. And that kind of fucked me up because what happened was I was showing a lot of people that article, like from Double XL Magazine, Rolling Stone, and whatnot. And they were like, yo, you can't spell for shit. You don't know what you're talking about because number one, first of all, Electra spelled with a K. I said, I know That's this. Up, my editor did that. That's not my fault. Yeah, so the, the rough, my rough draft was you like still got a copy point, but she chopped draft? it up. She butchered it. Which, man, dude, that was back in 2000. I wish, I wish. You know, a lot of stuff got lost in the sauce since then, man. A lot of stuff, even the the tape, because I had a, I recorded that interview uh, by tape. I didn't write nothing down. <laughs> it was on tape. Damn. I lost the tape. I lost the tape. Damn, I lo- you know. So yo, let me yeah, ask you. I wish this. I had so that besides tape. Besides him, you know, kind of sounding a little jaded about the industry. What else stood out to you about his personality? What else stood out to you, bro, about about his presentation that day? I said. Yeah. I said to him, well, first of all, he's very humble, extremely. That's why I don't, I don't quite, then again, I don't know Doom. I didn't know him personally. It's not like I was family, but like I used, like o- over the past two decades, I would hear people say shit like, oh, he just uses people. He just, you know, he meets you and then he throws, he throws you away. He just throws you in the trash. And I'm like, that's not the impression I got from him when I met him. But like I said, I wasn't family. I wasn't friends with him on a personal level, but that wasn't my impression. I told him, I said, you know what, dude? Um, a lot of P 
people that listen to Jay-Z listen to you too. It's not like, you know, people only listen to um, mainstream shit and they separate the underground indie shit. He was like, for real? I was like, yeah. And he was like, that's dope. Because he was like, I, I like Jay-Z. I listen to Jay-Z. He was like, I don't. He was like, I listen to Jay-Z. I listen to all of that. He wasn't like, um, what do you call it? A purist. He wasn't like one of those, you know, you know, uh, very, you know, uh, conceited purist. That's like, oh, I, I only listen to the quote unquote real hip hop. You know, none of that. You know, no, Doom listened to Jay-Z and all of that. You know, to be honest, Doom, the way I perceive Doom to be outside of him being very nice and open and friendly, you know, I perceived him to be, he wasn't like, he wasn't an extremist. He wasn't on one end. Um, I didn't, I didn't see him as being extremely polarizing, meaning like he's not a person that I could say, oh, he's extremely liberal, but he's not somebody yeah. that you can say, oh, he's extremely conservative either. You know what I mean? He's sort of like in the middle because he said he was talking about. Um, I tried to get a little slightly political because I was asking him about, you know, how do you feel about Saddam Hussein and all of that? And he was like, mind you, this is before 9 11. So he was like, well, you know what? Listen, Saddam has enemies. And, you know, who's to say that, who's to say that Saddam is, ain't right in regards to certain decisions he makes you know so it goes hand in hand so he was kind of like a little bit of both you know that's how i perceived doom he wasn't like doom wasn't like um because back in back then in year back then in the year 2000 everybody was on this neo soul bohemian every like it's, it's like if you were into jay-z back then you was considered very materialistic because like a lot of people that I knew was into dead prez common, you know, shit like that. And there was like, nah, man, you know, down like Jay-Z. But then when they go to the club, oh, they losing their shit over, um, you know, I'm a hustler, baby, you know? So Doom was like, listen, I like, I like all of that. But at the end of the day, Doom was like, oh, I prefer, God. you know, older shit. I prefer um, what stuff, is it? You know what I mean? So, but he was also a little guarded. I'm sorry, he was also a little guarded. Some and like, too, in what ways but, you think? Like, um, I he didn't he didn't reveal every single tiny little minute detail about his um, early career. Yeah. And what happened after Electra dropped him? He, he didn't reveal every little detail. The way I see it, in hindsight, I think the reason why he was like that is because one, maybe it was a little still too soon, too too much too soon, like a little uh, still a little too fresh, maybe. Um, and I guess maybe also I guess maybe he didn't eat. I guess maybe internally, I'm just, just speculating here, of course, I'm speculating. He, maybe he didn't know where he stood with MF Grimm. Um, I have a better understanding now, you know, of what happened between him and Grimm. But, and also maybe because he was trying to still build himself up, like he was, he was building up MF Doom as a, as a character. He was, he was, um, 
it was a resurgence. It was a, re- a rebirth, a reborn. You know, it was a new mm-hmm. person. So mm-hmm. he kind of wanted to leave a little bit of mystery. You know what I'm saying? He didn't want to keep. The I past. guess he didn't want to mm-hmm. start out talking about Electra over and over. And I didn't know that Dante Ross had a huge presence in his yeah. life back in the nineties. I didn't know that. You know. It depends on who you listen to. If you listen to Grimm, Grimm is gonna tell you that he executive produced Black Bastards, which if you look at it, if you like if you look at the actual credits, he's nowhere to be found as far as production and executive, he's nowhere to be found. Alright, so yo, so, yo, let's so um you know, let's let's move forward. So like um what is it about Doom as an MC stood out yeah. to you? Like what is it about his style that stood out to you? That made you like, like so. That made you even when they reviewed um, Operation Doomsday Den, and what even makes him stood out to you now? Like looking back, like we get to look back now at his career. You know, what is it about you that stood out? That the, it, it, there's certain there's certain things that just it was in, it was indelible in my mind. It was printed in my brain. Like when I first heard Dead Bent and Hey. His voice was so spe- specific, you know. Um, even though, like I said, even though I wasn't sure, I was like, "Is this Killer Priest?" But then I was like, "No, that, that, that can't be Killer Priest because, first of all, Killer Priest ain't that nice." I know some people are not gonna like that comment, but Killer Priest ain't that nice. So, and Killer Priest ain't that dirty. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a certain grit. And when I say dirty, I don't mean it's like it's I don't like mean like foul mouth and explicit beat, language, but on beat, it was like it was off beat, but still on beat. Dirty. It was almost like yes, yes. When I when I hear when I hear MF Doom, exactly. I, it feels like he definitely influenced a Sean Price or a Jay Electronica because I hear a lot of them in him and. A, a little bit of ODB too, like a little bit. And if you really think about it, if you really get technical, bro, yo, MF Doom came out before ODB because KMD came out before Wu Tang. So definite, so definitely, MF Doom came out before yeah, all of yeah. them. That's on the rail, like. Yeah, but what you gotta understand, even though, yeah, yeah, um, Daniel, I'll, I'll just say Daniel. Was a was a part of the golden age era of hip hop, but when he came out as Doom, he was a completely different person. He didn't sound the same, you know. You know, he was just as talented, if not more, more in my opinion. But he didn't sound the same. That he he sounded weathered, not in a not in a negative way. He sounded like he's been through some shit. You know what I mean? He sounded like he's been dragged across the fucking earth, literally. So, um, like I like how in Dead Bent, the first the first bar, he was like, um, but I ain't after her. Probably your accurate pearl white, the hook or nah. Many times that I hit it. The way he said that shit, I can't do it any service. The way he said it. His voice. I was beats like, too, "Yo, I need more of this." It was like, it was like um, the beats are like, um, like to oh, be man. honest, you know, like 
it kind of sounded like RZA a little bit, but I can't say he you know got what? it off RZA because came because he came out first. Like MF Doom came out first, you know, you dude. Like real talk. Yeah, technically, because if you really think you mean, about you mean it, he came like, before Wu Tang. I mean, no disrespect to the Wu, of course, man. But if we're real, if 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 we're if we're if no, we're no, no. really, if we're really talking KMD. technical, bro, like KMD yeah. came out '91, MF Doom came out before everybody, and even even to reemerge as MF Doom, I know I know he well, started out as Zevlov X, but technically he still had more experience in the industry yeah. and was definitely exposed nationwide first. He had experience first. He seasoned. And I feel like even within that five-year five gap from 93 to 99, I bet you even when he disappeared, he definitely sounds like he kept working on that craft because when, because dog, as an MC, you, there's no way you can take five years off and come back that sharp. No way. I feel like he had to have been working on his craft the whole time. There was a gap, you know? Like, he sounds fucking fresh. Like... He, yeah, dude. He had an axe to grind. Doom was a man, you know. Why? Why do? Why do you refer to him as Daniel? Well, why? Like, why? Just, just. I'm say just gonna Daniel, say like, Daniel, okay? Because that's that's because uh, mm, mm, mm. Daniel is a part of Doom, or vice versa. And he had it. He had an axe to grind. He had an axe to grind, and he had a. I don't want to say a chip on his shoulder because that sounds like it, it, it sounded like it's not worthy, not like not warranted. He he was like I said before, he had it was he, he was he was muddied. He came back dirty, you know. KMD was more like, hey, kind of have to no, go lucky. No, I feel you, but I felt like, like just the um, skill, dirty like, now, like the skill of an MC. Like the delivery, the timing, the bars, the wittiness. Like, just like, it just felt like, yeah, there was a five-year gap for sure from 93 to 90, like, you know, from 93 to 99. But within that five-year gap, I felt like, you know, he had to keep, he had to have been writing, polishing that craft, you know, like, like, there was no way he was just like, stop at that whole, nah, I I feel like, nah, he was working for sure. No, no. Yeah, he was working. He was no, he, like he no never way. stopped. Like, it it would have shown. Think about it. He never really stopped. Yeah, that's you, awesome. You gotta, and you and you gotta understand also. Yeah, you gotta you gotta understand oh, also. So hard. When I first heard "Dead Bent" and "Hey" in in uh, yeah in 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 September yeah, of yeah. 1997, this was right after Wu Tang Forever came out, right? Yeah. Now, granted, granted, I loved the hell out of Wu Tang. I loved Wu Tang. I loved Wu Tang. But I let me put it to you like this: when I when I heard Dead Bent and Hey in ninety and that year in that same year, I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, but this blows this blows Riz's production out the fucking out the water because that. Though that sample that he used from Isaac Hayes 
and the beat it was so grimy right. it was so grimy and go ahead, dusty go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. and remember yeah no RZA wasn't fucking with that grimy dusty dusty shit at, by that point by that point the Wu-Tang was very crispy very clean in terms of I'm talking uh, texturally the sound was so yo clean, um, you know alright now as an MC, as a producer, he definitely stood out. And like, you know, of course, me being from Oxnard, like when Mad Villain came out, it was a good look. It was just a it it was like a resurgence of like of stones throwing, of course, like just it became like the underground like J Dilla, Mad Lib, MF Doom, Stones Throw Records. That is, that was the underground. And this still is, you know. So, anyways, like with, throughout the years, you know, I just want to say rest in peace to MF Doom. My my deepest condolences to the family and to all the diehard cult fans. And it's been a pleasure building with Quan about this. And um, you know, like every time just a loss in the hip hop community, like real hip hop heads, like we're pretty shaken up, you know, like it's it hurts different because us being music lovers we know what he meant to, to the art of emceeing to the art of production and just i'm gonna be honest kwan like as an MC myself i deeply connect to the story of being rejected and feeling jaded and tainted and burned out and walking away from the industry i know how that feels you know and like the, the the story of a comeback where like he comes back and the same industry that shitted on him is is all in his all of a sudden it's now all on his nuts again. Yo, right about now they oh, all man. on his dick. Even oh, even man. um Ebro in the morning, you know Peter. Peter. And I'm like, y'all never played his records. Y'all never played it. I mean, I, I yeah, think maybe yeah. Rosenberg may have fucked with some Doom records a little bit, a little, little bit. Hey, but dog, all they I never fucked with this, Doom. Right? How many this times did you I see Doom say, up in Hot 97? Like, the number one cultural vulture is DJ Vlad. Number two is Peter Rosenberg, yo. Like, I feel like, I feel like he didn't waste. He didn't waste no and, time and to go on dope. Facebook and Instagram and. Live to start broadcasting MF Doom. And honestly, I listened to the interview that they did with uh with Cypher Sounds. And like it's like this. As a, as a okay. fan of the hip-hop culture and me being part of media and podcasting myself, what really got me bothered was like when they when they did the yeah. tribute, Cypher Sounds was like Cypher Sounds is like, um, I didn't, I wasn't really a fan of MF Doom and I wasn't really a big fan of his music. And I'm thinking, then why the fuck are you guys doing a tribute show on MF Doom? Oh, I get it. It's all for the ratings. Like, it's like, okay, you just, you just, you just wanna ratings. You know, and they, I'm, I'm not gonna front. They did interview Curious George. They did. They really got Curious George on the phone. They did interview Peanut Butter Wolf. But it also felt like, like, come on, come on, Cypher. Yo, yo, Cypher sounds. How are you gonna sit there and say you're not a big fan of this music? That's kind of low key. This, that's kind of, but, but that's. 
but it was being, but I, it was but I do feel like I, I respect save the, no, I respect like, come on fam, save that opinion for another day he barely passed now is not the time to say that dude but you know what? that's but you, know, eh. you know why I say I respect that because it shows that you colors it it, it, it it exposes it exposes the fact that okay we know for a fact Ebro in the morning and Pete never played Doom matter of fact Rosenberg has a show on Sunday at midnight way, guys, he's still never played Doom I used to listen to that show every Sunday he never Lager, played no Doom you know what I'm saying I'm never the type to um, to bash another personality but as a, as a fan of hip hop yo it's kind of like it's like how are you guys gonna do that on the like maybe three four days after he passed okay you're not a big fan of Doom then you shouldn't you shouldn't have been the one but hold up, hold up, hold up. Well, but hold up, though. So maybe three, four days. It's like, yo, man, if you're not a big fan of Doom, you shouldn't have been the one doing the tribute, fam. Then don't. Why are you? Why are you doing the tribute? Like, don't do that. Like, just. It's like it's it's like come on, like Hot ninety seven sometimes. Yeah. Oh my god, bro. <laughs> oh. I don't. I don't like Hot ninety seven. I mean, to be honest, I don't like. I don't like any main. Sh- I don't really like it, neither one of them. I don't. I don't. I don't too much really like Charlemagne and DJ Envy because all they play is popular shit, and I don't really like Ebro and Pete. The only reason why that I used to give Pete Rosenberg a little bit of a little bit of a leniencies because he did play some. He did play some underground shit, so I'm like okay. But my issue now is. Don't act like you was on Doom's dick before because you weren't playing right, his records. You yeah. was not playing his records. Like, yo, like, man, I can count on I, I want to try to keep the con- I, I want to try to keep the conversation positive, bro. You know, because like, you know, people, because, because, go ahead, you know, because, because you yeah, know, you people, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, we can keep, we can list so many things. That the Hot 97 and DJ Vlad has done wrong. Oh my God. Like this guy, DJ, like this cat. I don't, I don't, yeah. To be honest, I don't, like, like, I don't, I, I really don't want to give those guys too much DJ burn. Vlad airplane, interviews you know? Tupac's killers but. and anybody still doing interviews with Vlad, you should be ashamed of yourself, man. Like this guy interviewed Tupac's killer and like, 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 as if the families are still not living. Like, Tupac still, Tupac still got family members out here, bro. And you're out here interviewing one of the killers, like, as if, as if, like, the the families cannot be offended. That's okay. crazy to me. And you know what? People are still doing interviews with DJ Vlad. I cannot believe this. It makes me sick. Wow. Anyways, all right. So, let's get so. You know, rest in peace to MF Doom and my deepest condolences to all the fans that's hurting, especially, of course, first and foremost, man, the wife, the kids and the family, but to anybody and everybody that's been influenced by him, every MC that ever spit on the beat and use it for a mixtape, including myself, anybody that ever practiced freestyling on special herbs, everybody that was rocking Mad Villain, all all his work, you know, like... It's been, it's a huge loss, and today, bro, today as we speak, Dr. Dre had a brain aneurysm, 
today as we speak today this like just a couple hours ago bro it's been announced and it's also been announced that he's doing all right on the same day so i feel like hip-hop is definitely starting off at a rocky point on top of all this snoop and eminem is beefing right now (laughs) oh wow yeah they're they're beefing i didn't know about that i i vaguely heard about but um to be honest to be honest like who who isn't beefing with snoop like i feel like snoop was always beefing with somebody like Snoop is beefing with Candace Owens. Let's let's talk about another hip hop legend that you got a chance to conversate with. Um, let's talk about your work with Rap Sheet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that was that was a little mm-hmm. short lived, but I did more article for Rap Sheet than I did for the Source. Um, Mainly the the biggest, like the biggest um, memorable uh, article that I did for Rap Sheet was um, the one for Five Dog. I did an article on Five, and um, I interviewed him. I didn't get to physically meet him like I met Doom in person, but I spoke to Five on the phone, which was really cool. You know, um, you know, Five was living in Atlanta at the time. I was in New York. Nice. This was a year after I met Doom, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, Fife was really cool. Really cool. Very humble. You know, the irony is, I used to hear people, and I don't think they know what the the hell they were talking about. They probably never even met Fife, you know. They said that Fife was full of himself. And I'm like, no. Um, It's funny because if if you asked Fife, Fife would have said that Q-Tip was the one that was full of himself, but... You know, but I'm not gonna dwell on that because they patched it up. They made up after that. But yeah, Fife was really cool, man. He was so cool. Um, the biggest takeaway that I got from Fife after our talk over the phone was that he was saying to me, "Man can't live off hip hop alone." You know, you know, because he was talking about how he was the. Uh, oh, wow. uh, I think he said he was a manager for Golden State. You know, Golden State Warriors. Yeah, so um, he was managing Golden State Warriors, and uh, he was talking about how you know he just wants to make sure that he has multiple streams of income, and mm. mainly in sports. Because anybody who knew about Fife, that's a piece five diggy. You know so, so man, Five Dog, man, I have to say, like. Out of every rapper or any um, well-known hip-hop personality who passed away, Doom and Fife are the only two guys from hip-hop that literally had me in tears when they when they passed away. Man, They're it's been a two, you know it's been saying? a pleasure so, chopping it up with you, bro. And like, thanks for sharing your stories. Thanks for sharing your experiences. Um, What's and I know it's been a hectic year the past year. What would you say, man, your resolution for 2021, bro? Yeah, mm. well, all right, I don't make what, resolutions. What would you like? I don't make, what would you I don't like? Do that to, shit. I don't make resolutions. 
Because what would you like to improve I go, about yourself? I go home. don't. All right, cool. Um, how, how long have you money. been out there in London now? Uh, I've been out here for roughly. I've been out here ever since nice. um, the beginning um, of June. What would you say middle, the big early in mid June of last London year? London to here in the states in your in your in your um, experience. Man, there's many big differences. I mean, first of all, <laughs> you know, the accent, that's the main thing. The mm-hmm. accent. Um, uh, the verbiage, like the wording and things like out here, people don't say certain words, you know, it, it depends on what you say. Like people don't say bathroom, they say toilets. They don't say pants, they say trousers. They don't say cookies, they say biscuits, you know. Um, but, um, you know the money, the currency. Mm. To, to be honest, that's the biggest difference: the currency, <laughs> the currency rate. You know, you know the currency rate. Cops out here don't carry guns. That's another difference. Police out here don't carry guns. They just carry mm. a taser. That's crazy, and, man. Um, pepper spray. Yo, I just want to say, have a safe, safe stay out there, brother. Um. You know, the United States has been taking a lot of blows, man. Yeah. And, you know, I don't yeah. even want to get into too much craziness because we can go on a whole other topic. But I know, brother, we can keep on. We can keep going on and on. That's the one of the like, man. <laughs> real quick. Um, what who would be I'm going to give you a, a you know, I'm going to give you a little round, round, round off questions that we can call it a wrap. All right. LL Cool J or Big Daddy King? All right. LL or King? LL or KRS? Now, now, what's the question, though? <laughs> yeah, just who's the better MC, man? Now, what, what's the MC? question? Are we saying right, LL Cool J or King? Word. Uh, LL or KRS? King. KRS. I I I am uh, noticing a theme here. I'm noticing G-Rap a theme. Or rock him. <laughs> What'd you say? What do you mean by your no what do you mean by you're noticing rock a theme? What do you mean? Like what? Like No, because you know, he's been getting called out in all these verses and taking the challenge. I feel like, okay, you're not gonna battle Daddy King. All right, whatever then. And then KRS called him out. And then he said, Oh no, that's not the right match. Well, who is the right match, LL? Like, that's from your era. It's Daddy Kane and KRS, or unless you want to go with Rock Kim. Or or I'd say G-Rap, but I feel like nah. It, it's either you gotta battle either KRS or Daddy Kane or Rock Kim. I feel like those are the only four that can really go at it, unless Slick Rick wants to get in it. You know, like even Slick Rick and, and LL would be good, but I don't know. Anyways, um, Eminem or Cannabis? Ooh, all right, all right. Um. M. 
Cap, I gotta go with that. Sorry, Cam I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "Oh man, you were you a race trader?" Nah, fuck that. I got you. Yeah. Woo! Wow, Cameron or Mace? Nah, but Mace uh, gets busy, man. Kill the he, kill the he got bars from the child, ch- children, children of the corn days. Um, Big L or Big L or Nas? I J. All right. Nas, come on. Big pun or I don't, I like big I like them, but... Ah. Yo, man. Uh, all right, all right. Pun. Uh, I got to go. Take it to the West. E40 or Too Short? And I grew up in Too Short, but still. <laughs> all right, DJ Quick or Warren G? <sighs> I got to go with E. E40. Alright. Snoop or Quick. Snoop or Ice Cube? Quick. Ooh. Alright. Oh, Cube. Come on, man. Cube. Cube. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really Yo, biased. Man. I, I have more so, Cube albums. Any other shout outs, bro, before we get off? Any any other shouts or anything you want to promote out there before we get off? You good? Nah, I'm good. I'm good on that. I'm good on that. Just rest in peace, you know, Daniel Dumoulin, also known MF Doom, formerly known as F Love X. My condolences to his family. You know, um, that's the main thing. My condolences to his family. You know, I, I'm really... I. I almost take it personally when I see all these conspiracy theories popping up. Yeah. You know, and I told you it's going to happen about Doom. I told you it's going to happen. You know, I'm taking it personal because it's like, yo, his family, but, you know, that's probably the reason why they delayed the announcement is because they knew that people was going to start coming out with all these stupid, crazy conspiracy theories about Doom. Yo, man, thank you so much for your time. So, and the podcast. Yeah, that's about it. Juan, much love, brother. I'm going to hit you on the text.